0: Hey Heat Nation! Welcome back to Heaters Gonna Heat, part of the OTG Podcast Network. Thank you for checking in as always. I'm your host Kyle Russell, here to chat a little about our favorite NBA team, the Miami Heat, who unfortunately dropped Game 2 to the New York Knicks last night. Very close game that we'll go through the recap, and then I got a little bit of time to look ahead to Game 3, which will be this Saturday. So a good bit of time before we get the next game at least, you know, let the other series catch up kind of stuff. And definitely something that could be useful for this Miami team, in particular Jimmy Butler. But but also for the Knicks side as well with uh, some injuries to them. But that's stuff we'll get into as we get into this. First, as usual, let's go through the recap from the game last night. We go back to Game 2 at the New York Knicks where the Miami Heat lost 105-111. to In a game, though, that they would be without Jimmy Butler, which is obviously the big... Highlight, asterisk, whatever you want to call it for this game. Uh, Miami taking a New York's Knicks team fully healthy with both of their star players, Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson, in their lineups. This Miami Heat team still took them down to the wire. That's definitely commendable. But again, getting ahead of myself. uh, Jimmy Butler, very late scratch, probably about an hour or two, I want to say, before the game tipped off. It was announced. Understandable. Again, given the the state of the injury uh, Sunday, where it looked like it was pretty much going to be about, like, treatment and pain management for the next few days. So, makes sense that as it came down to the wire, it ended up being, all right, look, he, he... we need to keep him out for this game. Okay, fair enough. Heat still went nine deep with Caleb Martin being promoted to the starting lineup in place of Jimmy Butler. I think that makes a ton of sense. My my impression of Martin continues to be that he is a starting caliber three. The only problem in on this Heat team is they already have a superstar level three in Jimmy Butler. So if he's out, makes sense you put Caleb in as a starting three. He he can replicate a fair amount of the stuff that, that Jimmy is providing. And again, important case led to a pretty close game. And then on the next side of things, I already kind of hinted at that, that both Jalen Brunson and Julius Randall played, which uh, the Brunson part was also interesting because it came out Monday that he would be questionable for the game Tuesday. So even coming up to that game Tuesday night, technically we didn't know if those two would play, but from like a meta sense a metagame sense, they were going to play. Again, New York had to avoid the 0-2 hole. If they went back to Miami 0-2, that's when you start talking about a sweep because then the next two games are at Miami. But again, they avoided that. Congratulations. But with Randall back in their lineup, the Knicks also went nine deep, so they did not make any rotation cuts either. They just moved Obi Toppin to the bench and then put Julius Randall back into his starting spot. As for the game recap itself, I already mentioned this is a was a very back and forth game from the beginning all the way to the end. The most commendable thing Miami never got fell bar, far behind or like got blown out or anything of that sort. So again, very commendable performance, but. The recap, back and forth first quarter with multiple lead changes, sees Miami down two in large part to two big performances in the first quarter for New York Knicks players. 16 points for RJ Barrett, 10 points for Julius Randle. While on the Heat side of things, they showed what their game plan was going to be early on without Jimmy Butler, and that was going to be shoot a lot of threes. They went six of 15 from three in the first quarter alone. So that's, that's pretty significant volume right there. Second quarter, much more defensive, both sides clamping down. Heat held the Knicks scoreless for three and a half minutes and retook the lead, though not very much because, again, the Knicks also clamping down on the defensive end, not letting Miami really blow this too far out of the way. And it paid off, though Miami did take a lead through most of the second quarter. It was tied 51-51 within the last minute of the first half before Kevin Love, with a few seconds left, hits a big three that puts Miami up three at halftime. Third quarter just continued the trend. Very tight all throughout. A few ties, a few lead changes. Uh, came down to Miami being up one going into the fourth quarter. Big performances from, on Miami side, Max Struess, 11 points in the third quarter. And then on the next side, Jalen Brunson, 13 points, as he started getting going. And a bit of an emphasis in the second half to get Brunson going Miami held him to I think seven point yeah seven points in the first half alone so Brunson trying to get to that in the in the third quarter and then we'll get to it in the fourth quarter as well with another 10 so seven points in the first half for uh, Jalen Brunson 23 in the second so that was their point of emphasis with halftime adjustments but fourth quarter itself still very tightly contested the Heat are down only one with two minutes left. And what would usually be Jimmy Butler closing time, or if not Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero closing time, and instead went the Knicks way. Knicks going on a 7-0 run that effectively sealed the game for them. Miami making a few free, threes, free throws near the end. But yeah, for the most part, that was the difference. Heat lose 105 to 111. Really disappointing because this game was legitimately there for Miami to steal and be up 2 0 before going back home, on top of giving Jimmy Butler his rest. That was definitely there for them. Uh, Main way that they went about doing it, like I mentioned beforehand, as we get into the takeaways for the game, without Jimmy Butler, the Heat leaned into shooting threes and hoping the variants went their way. For the most part, it did. They had an, a solid shooting performance, just really high volume. They went 17 of 49, good for 35% from three-point range. Though the Knicks, to their credit, did uh, shot much, much better than the 21% they did in Game 1 and were able to keep pace with the Miami Heat, going 16 of 40, good for 40% from pre- three-point range. So props to the Knicks for knocking down the shots this time around. Miami, again, solid game plan. Could have used a, a little bit more of those threes to drop. Maybe I mean if they had been closer to forty percent, that's an extra two or three threes. That's the difference between overtime Miami winning this game. But the game plan for the most part still solid and it was effective throughout the game. Again, Miami never getting behind because they'd be able to hit a three or something to to keep them at pace with the Knicks. Uh, other takeaways. And I'm not a big, I'm not usually a huge fan of of calling this stuff out, but it does need to be said. There was some suspect ref behavior to the point that I was watching some Knicks coverage uh, post game two, and even they admitted to these two ref plays in particular in the fourth quarter that that were just egregious. One of which was a New York Knicks player pushing one of their, I believe, it was Hartenstein. Uh, yeah, Hart pushing Hartenstein into the ground. Bam Metabio I guess, happens to be around the area. And they call it a foul while Jalen Brunson is shooting a three. So it becomes a, a, an and one on a made three when it shouldn't have been. And that's extra points for the Knicks. But the really egregious one uh, on top of that after that as well, because that one was a little bit earlier in the quarter. But the really bad one, I think Heat are up three uh, with about three or four minutes left. And what looked like a potential shot clock violation from Miami was not because it just very, very barely grazed the rim, but definitely can see it on replay. And anybody that saw the replay saw that it does indeed touch the rim because it changes angle and rotation. It goes right to Gabe Vincent. So in a normal situation, that's not a shot clock violation because it touches the rim. And that would have been Gabe Vincent just grabbing the ball right there, going up for a, put- a put-back layup. Very easy. But instead, they ruled it a shot clock violation when it wasn't. And the Knicks got a floater on the other end from Jalen Brunson. So it was effectively a four-point swing. Miami should have been up five and said they were only up one. Uh, during, again, closing minutes of the game, and that was what led to them eventually being down one and in that position for the 7-0 run by the Knicks to finish that off. So do those two plays completely change the game and and effectively make it so Miami wins? No. No, they don't. There were still other opportunities to win the game there. Did they definitely help out the Knicks? 100%. So that's why I say it just needs to be mentioned. Next takeaway, though. Uh, This really stood out to me. Heat did a great job limiting points in the paint this game. So game one, they gave up 40 in the first half, 22 in the second half, for a total of 62 points in the paint game one. Game two, they limited that down to 34 to the New York Knicks. So much better job locking down the paint. Though they still struggled to keep the Knicks off the offensive glass, giving up 11 offensive rebounds, good for 16 second chance points. And they also overall got out-rebounded by the Knicks, 34 to 50. But some of this stuff, again, we, we already kind of understood. Uh, to, again, Knicks had the size advantage. But they were really able to press that advantage, specifically the offensive glass. And then, again, using that to get second-chance points. 16 second-chance second chance points. You limit that a little bit more, you ch- you shave off a few offensive rebounds. That could also have been the difference this game. Another good takeaway for Miami. Still won the turnover battle 6 to 10, which only 6 turnovers for for this team just sounds outstanding. Like that is just really great ball security. But again it goes back to the a bit of the same point that was made in game 1. I believe we won that rebound uh, the turnover battle like 8 to 13 something like that. I think this says more about Miami doing a great job of securing the ball than necessarily the Knicks being sloppy. Again if that's something Miami can win then that's a possession that's part of the possession battle they can win and that's something that they can take away from New York who typically tries to win the the turnover battle Miami also won points off of turnovers 22 to 9 which 22 points off of only 10 turnovers really efficient but goes to show Miami doing a pretty good job of not only capitalizing upon the turnovers that the Knicks give but very much limiting any sort of fast break opportunities that the Knicks could try to get off of Miami turnovers. Again, only nine points there. Uh, But the Heat on their end only got one steal and zero fast break points to the Knicks five. So Knicks still getting a little bit in transition, but completely shutting everything down for the Miami Heat. And then last takeaway, uh, and this kind of goes not only to the game in general, but also some of the stats I've mentioned, and then especially those closing minutes, this is a game that you really missed, Jimmy Butler, and, and what he brings to this team and his ability to just affect multiple parts of a of a given game. So, like example, you look at Miami only getting one steal. Well, Jimmy can typically add to that. You know, get he'll get like one, two, three for just him alone, and some of those end up being leak out passes that he can get fast break points off of, and then that's that's. Points off of turnovers, that's fast break points, that's steals, that's forcing New York Knicks turnover, all in one play right there just on the defensive end. And then obviously on the offensive end, we know Jimmy Butler, when it's closing time, you give Jimmy Butler the ball and you probably don't expect the Knicks to go on a 7 or run. Instead, you expect Butler to control things down the stretch and lead Miami to a win. Along those lines, this also would have been a really good game if the Heat had had uh, Tyler Hero, like, just one of them, just one of Hero or Butler to put the ball in their hands and have them be the closer. That was kind of the the feeling I had as I was going throughout this, is, hey, the Heat are doing a great job of keeping this close. I am just concerned what happens in the closing minutes because they don't have either of their two best closers. And sure enough, when it came time to close, that ended up being the difference. For the most part, though, like... I really don't feel too worried. Like it, it, it. There's a certain confidence that that I guess comes with seeing your team still compete, still have a chance to steal that game. While the Knicks, for the most part, are throwing everything they have to survive. And even though the Knicks ended up winning, Jimmy Butler on the sideline, just with a devilish smirk on his face. He's not worried. I'm not going to be worried either. But this is a series that is now tied 1-1. The Heat still accomplishing what they needed to do, splitting the road games of this series to return to Miami for the next two. Moving on, with the recap done, let's take a look a little bit at next game, Game 3, coming up this Saturday. Real quick, as usual, for the injury report, uh, there is only pretty much one of significance on Miami side. no Tyler Hero out, Victor Oladipo out. It's Jimmy Butler. he's still listed as day to day, but n- nah based off of the look that he was given last night, it w- it was very much a look that says, okay, y'all enjoy this. I'll see you all Saturday. Uh, so I have to imagine Jimmy Butler plays Saturday. I don't I don't I actually don't even think that should be too much of a question. And then on the next side of things, they're actually all good. There was one player on theirs uh, that had season ending shoulder surgery a few weeks ago but he wasn't really part of their playoff rotation so it shouldn't affect this series too much. Game 3 will be at the Miami Heat this Saturday. The Heat were the ones that lost game 2. So what adjustments could they make going into game 3? Well the first off is just it's just going to be having Jimmy Butler back. That will be an adjustment on both the offensive and defensive end. I mean, he can help crash the boards, keep keep uh, New York off of the offensive glass. Again, we already talked about, like, get steals, get out in transition, get some fast breaks going, keep the New York Knicks defense centered on him, like, draw double teams onto him so then they can kick out two open shooters that will have the home crowd on their side in games three and four, unlike in games one and two. And then when it comes time to close, just be the guy that leads Miami to a win. Outside of Butler, though, I do expect the Heat to continue to lean into their three-point shooting and air more on the side of high volume, because again, if the Knicks are just going to be doubling Jimmy, and that's going to let them kick out to open shooters at the three-point line, it's going to be easier to get those three-point makes up. The big thing, I think, for Miami is going to be hoping that they get better shooting at home. They've been shooting decent this series, 33% game one, 35% game two, but a home-boost that could get them into the forty percent or even a little bit over forty would just be huge. That that could very much just bury the Knicks and keep this from ever being a game in the first place. And then Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson were both questionable going into game two with uh ankle injuries for each of them. This is and they did have to play, unlike a Jimmy Butler who got to rest game two. Granted, there is still three days before this game on Saturday. They'll have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to rest. So maybe their ankles are fine by Saturday. But still, I would test it out just just to see. Test it out early. If the ankles are fine, all right, maybe you move on to other stuff. But if they look limited mobility-wise, press that advantage. Other than that, about the only thing I could think of is maybe start trimming the rotation. It is still fairly early in the series. It's only Game 3. But maybe you cut one of Duncan, Highsmith, or Zeller if the rotation needs to be trimmed. But all of them, for the most part, had really solid game twos. Duncan still spaced the floor, knocked down a few threes. Uh, Highsmith played some solid defense, got like a bucket or two. Zeller has just been really impactful off the boards. I think if I had to pick one of the three, I'd lean a little bit more towards Highsmith just because of the spacing Duncan provides and the size on the board that Zeller provides. But... I can still also see Spolcher being like, hey, this is early in the series. We're still going to go 10 deep. Make sure everybody gets some good play. That's about it I have for adjustments on the Heat side of things. Again, the main thing to take away from Game 2 was how solid this team looked against arguably the best that New York had to swing back at them. And then imagine just adding Jimmy in on top of that. Like, you. It's really hard to not feel confident and think that for the most part that's all we need to do is just have Jimmy Butler on the court and maybe clean up uh, a few things here and there. For the Knicks side of things, I wonder if they maybe start to look at trimming their rotation, uh, specifically trimming out Obi Toppin because Miami seemed to very much enjoy letting him be open and shoot from threes. So if they cut, they trim out Obi Toppin, that gets them down to eight which I guess could reallocate some more minutes towards, like, Randall or Brunson, but then that might also be putting a higher burden on them, again, especially considering uh, the injuries that they had earlier this week. So for the record, I don't think either side is ready to trim their rotations just yet, but, you know, it it is waiting there if either of them want to pull that trigger. That's about all I have for the Knicks side of things. Uh, One good thing to mention, though, about the Knicks. They are a great road team. They had one of the best road records. I think fourth best road record this season. I want to say or something ridiculous. They had a really good road record. I remember that much. So can't just sleep on this Knicks team and expect them to just roll over and this will be an easy one. It's going to be tough. I mean, it's it's Heat Knicks. It should be it should be tough. Grind it out. Uh, you know heart rate raising all that fun stuff but my main hope is that this heat team doesn't rest on their laurels and say hey again like we had a really great game too and if we have jimmy we're great we don't need to we don't need to worry about anything else like no it, it, that is true that if they had jimmy and they played to that level with jimmy they probably win game 2 but that was Game 2. Game 3 is going to be its own thing. So Miami needs to still come in with that sense of urgency that they've had through most of this postseason and just fight like hell to take Game 3. A win in Game 3 would see Miami take a 2-1 lead, still keep their home court advantage, still keep the pressure on the Knicks. So again, same thing we kind of saw last series with the Box. Stay ahead, keep the pressure on, bank on having that home court advantage and, and keeping it throughout. A loss would see Miami slip into a one-two hole, lose at home court advantage, and then that sets up Game 4 as almost like a, a do-or-die must-win. So, Game 3, like I mentioned, will be Saturday. Game 4 will be on Monday. So, I will be back on Sunday to recap Game 3 and then preview Game 4, so that podcast will be available Sunday afternoon throughout Monday. Then the following one would be out that Tuesday. But for now, I will be back on Sunday with the Game 3 recap. I do thank you for hanging around, though. That'll be all for this episode. Please, if you can, follow the pod at Heaters Heating and myself at Kyle underscore B underscore Russell off of Twitter. Also check out the other great pods we have at OTG Basketball off of Twitter. Links for everything is in the show notes as usual. I'll be back on Sunday. So until then, I hope you all have a good week. Heat Nation. Woo!